Now let's get to the show. Welcome to the Man Whore Podcast. Shout out to all those thoughts, tots, and trollops. Uh, you, you can't have sex with one of those. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is Billy Proceda, and you're listening to the Man Whore Podcast. All right. Hey, 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 everyone. Welcome to the show. This week we've got on Noah, a.k.a. the Thought Scholar. You probably know her from the Twitters. Uh, we're going to be talking about the sex work and the mommy work. Uh, very shortly. But first, you know, uh, last week, huh? That was, uh, that was different. That was certainly, that, that last week's episode was different in format and subject matter. And, you know, my father listened to it. Not my usual episode experience, but, you know, I did get a lot of feedback, a lot of uh, reactions to the episode with my baby sister, Kelly. To give you a little bit of a family update, uh, you know, Kelly, I look, the big complaint I had last, during the show and with Effie and for the last like eight years with my sister is like, you don't call me, but you claim that we love you love me so much and that we're we talk all the time. Uh, of course, I have called her multiple times uh, since we record that on June 1st. And of course, she's only picked up twice. And one of those times was was just to say, like, just she was too busy to talk because she was partying with our other sister. So I can't say things have improved too much. I know she wasn't thrilled that I had on Effie to do the commentary. Um, the concept of it. I know I know when I told her that I had just recorded it, she was nervous. Um, understandably so. She doesn't know what we said. And so it's easy to think that maybe it was, you know, we ganged up on her. Of course, that's not what happened. Of course, you know, Effie, uh, I, at least I think, uh, you know, was pretty fair. And I know my sister listened to it because she listened to it with my father and his girlfriend. Uh, they all listened to it together. And my dad thought it was pretty fair and balanced. So, you know what? He's a pretty tough critic. Billy Sr., but I, I've still not heard from from Kelly uh, in the last month and sparsely since the live show. So, you know what? That's you can't force a relationship and that's fine. Um, I think I'm going to send her one last email, not like a last email, nothing dramatic. But I think I might just be like, hey, look, you have my number. You if you want to establish a relationship, you can call me, but I'm not going to keep pushing that was that, everybody. Uh, let's. Oh, oh, slight note. Uh, slight note. Effie Blue wanted me to clarify. Uh, I think I referred to her as both a counselor or a therapist. Um, she is neither of those things. She wanted me to tell you all. She is a coach. Her credentials classify her as a relationship coach. So she is coach Effie Blue. So she wanted me to make sure I wasn't misleading anybody. Uh, let's do. Let's do the things, everybody. Uh, let's get them hot. Get them dates. Let's do the show dates. Let's let's go ahead and drop Aton Levine's. His is better. Show get them hot. Get them dates. Show dates. Yes, uh, Los Angeles, L.A. Yeah, I'm coming on out to you September 3rd. I'm going to be at Dime Bar, uh, 8 p.m. 
That's a free show. Ithaca, New York, September 27th. I'm at Circus Culture, 8 p.m. Uh, Romulus, New York, September 28th. I'm at Button Winery at 7 p.m. Um, those upstate New York shows are part of the Finger Lakes Comedy Festival. So you can go uh, to their website uh, for more information on tickets. And for my New Yorkers, for my New York whores, uh, I am going to have a booth at the Brooklyn Sex Expo September 21st and September 22nd. It's free to attend. Come on by, say hello, take a selfie, buy some merch. I will be giving away a free motor bunny. Wild, right? A motor bunny for free. So come on to that. Uh, And I think you need to reserve a free ticket. I don't entirely understand the system, but you go to sexexpo.com for more information. But I'll be there. All right. Your emails, people. Let's get to some emails. Uh, let's, Let's cheer things up. Let's cheer things up with an email that's subject line, Single Life Troubles. This one comes from uh, a favorite listener of mine, Claire. She's a longtime listener, not the first time emailer. Claire, you should all know, is um, about to begin college. Just so you have a, the the context of her age, I read an email of hers last year where her boyfriend, her high school boyfriend, uh, enjoyed getting blowjobs but wouldn't eat her pussy because uh, he didn't want to think about the dicks that had been in there previously i told her dump that fucker and uh she did not and then i got another email from her earlier this year where she was like "Mm, i'm thinking about fucking my ex again and i was like don't do that and you know she did so that's my history with claire uh so i was excited to get her email she writes hey billy i hope all is well for you and just wanted your opinion on a situation and I like how she says opinion, not advice, because clearly she does not follow my advice. And she writes, So after I hooked up with my ex, G, I think I realized that having sex with him wasn't going to be the great thing I thought it was. Shocker. Okay. Uh, I broke things off with him, and we haven't really talked, but it's a really good thing because now I at least know that that option wasn't the best. I'm glad we had sex just to reassure me that he's not good for me. The last time we talked, he said he would hang with me before he left for college just as a final goodbye. So I love where the G situation is and have no intense feelings of love or hate for him, which is great. Now I have another situation, which is related to G, but he doesn't know about any of this. (laughs) This is... Such a great situation. I love this. Okay. She says, so my sister works at a store downtown and I work at a store across the street. One of my friends, E, also works at my sister's store. And she's kind of like our third sister and super close to the family. Then that store hired two new employees, one of which is the boyfriend of G's little sister. We're going to call him S. So over time, my sister became friends with S and so had E, the family friend. They planned a coworker party thing at S's house like two weeks ago. And I went 
because of my sister and E. We had a ton of fun and ended up doing the same thing the next night. It was then that I was like, wow, S kind of reminds me of G, but less of an asshole. So S and I started talking and hanging out. And then one night, it was me, him, and E all together. Everything was good. And S, which let me remind you, S is Claire's ex-boyfriend's sister's boyfriend. Just reminding everybody. Okay, so everything was good. And S was kind of talking about how he doesn't want to spend high school just dating the same girl, which both... E and I understood. E left, and then S and I were just chilling in my car, looking at the stars. We had the seats reclined all the way, and our heads were next to each other. Ooh, heads next to each other, leaning back in an empty car. I know where this is going. And then he put his hand on my stomach. (gasps) I put my hand on his to kind of signal it was okay he was doing this. Then I asked him if this was a good idea, and then he stopped but continued short after and had his hand under my shirt. There are many more small details that happened, but then we had a brief kiss, and he was like, I should go home. The next day, he was an emotional mess and told his girlfriend about things. And remember, his girlfriend is Claire's ex-boyfriend's sister. Since then, his girlfriend didn't want him talking or hanging out with me, and we've done both since. Nothing sexual, though. He only told her that we hung out at work and not about us hanging out alone. We're really good friends and get along super well, so it's hard to not keep talking and hanging out. The girlfriend messaged me, but I didn't respond because he told me not to. She didn't tell any of her family about this, so G doesn't know. Currently, the girlfriend is still in love with S, and S is super conflicted to stay with her or leave, but he doesn't want to break her heart There's so much more that has happened, but this is the base of everything. What is your opinion? Oh, gosh, I'm excited. Um, Hi, everyone. Okay. Um, Yeah, you know, for just first off, I love being right. I love it when I'm right. It's one of my hobbies is being right. And, uh, you know, I told you like almost a year ago that sex with your ex-boyfriend wasn't going to be great when he was your boyfriend. And it wasn't a good idea when he was your ex-boyfriend. Um, but hey, if you got to put your pussy on the stove to know it's hot, well, you know what, girl? Live your life. Why on earth do you want to get into a mess of drama right before college? We're talking weeks before college. He, S, technically cheated on his girlfriend, which, reminder, is Claire's ex-boyfriend's sister. Y'all put yourself in a situation where you knew that that was going to happen. You were alone late at night after a party, laying back in a car with your heads next to each other. That never doesn't end with somebody getting physical with the other. You knew what was going to happen. Okay. Then he was told not to hang out or talk with you. He then disrespected both of those requests. uh, I'm assuming after he agreed to them. All of this, by the way, is just high school drama. This is all high school bullshit. But it does show that this kid, and I do mean kid because you're all kids in this situation, it does show that this kid might not be good at A, communication, or B, trustworthiness. And I'll give him a pass 
on the first one because you're all children learning how to communicate. So he's not supposed to be good at it, but clearly not trustworthy. Now, he's not an egregious asshole, but he's, you know, just obviously he's comfortable with not honoring commitments. And it's going to cause a bunch of drama, really for something that's going to be over in a few weeks when you leave for college. And for what? Some dick? It's not great dick. I don't care how great you think it is. No dick at 18 is that great. Even if a dick is great at 18, it's going to be even greater at 28. So no dick at 18 is worth all this fucking drama. It's just not. Also, you're all like, yeah, we're great friends. No, you're not. It seems like this is all recent. So like how close of friends could you really be, right? Look, you're all super young and dumb and full of cum. Mazel. Mistakes are going to happen, but don't consciously make those mistakes. Okay, when you know it's not a good decision, don't make that decision. Just keep it simple, silly. You know, don't hang out alone with this guy. Don't, you know, you don't have to avoid him like the plague in group situations. But look, quit texting him and, you know, quit having solo hangs. Unless you want to deal with the inevitable backlash and i do mean inevitable backlash and drama that will come with it i guess that's a cost benefit analysis you got to go through yourself but there are literally billions of penises for you to sit on that don't come with as much drama but hey you do you boo boo okay she emailed me back the next day (coughs) after reading what you said i thought it would be best to just let this guy go and have a happy life with his girlfriend I didn't want to stop texting him, but was definitely thinking no more solo hangs, since the same thing would just happen again. He was debating whether or not to end things with his girlfriend, and for a bit I thought he should, which was just me being selfish and also the circumstances that he's in. But if that had happened, he'd have me for only three weeks and then be sad because he's single. So, I don't know. I was just thinking about all the options. None of this drama was ever worth the little that we did. Now, when I got home from driving around, I got a text from G. And basically, he accused me of fucking his sister's boyfriend, which I did not do. All you did was lay alone late at night after a party in a car with a brief kiss and putting your hands on each other's stomachs. Certainly a far cry from fucking, but still uh, not chill all the same. Long story short, uh, you know, before everything went down, G's mom heard that S and I were hanging in my car from the sister. I just, I do, I know this might be drama for you, but just entertaining for me. Then they saw the sister upset. So the mom told G that S and I had been hanging and G instantly thought I fucked him. I had a really fun talk with G, but basically now that the whole family knows that S and I didn't fuck, but literally just cuddled. S kind of wants to end things with the sister because like, how is he supposed to go to their house when everyone knows what he did? And the whole time G was trying to make me feel like shit for everything when it's not all my fault. Just where's Jerry Springer when you need him? Uh, Jerry Springer for a gal who may not understand that reference. Uh, I, I apologize to the sister But not to G, because he's an asshole and forever will be. 
I'm pretty sure uh, the sister and S are on a break right now, and I just don't know if it's even worth it to do anything with S because it will probably cause more drama. You're probably going to tell me to just stay away from this situation. Oh, gosh, you're so perceptive. Uh, But it would feel weird just to abandon everything. I also just love hanging out with S. He's like a guy version of me, and I want to at least stay friends with him. But I'm afraid if we actually do anything, he'll be heartbroken over the ex or get attached to me. I wish my dumb ass didn't get involved in this. Send prayers, Claire. Um, well, you know, again, ah, uh, I love being right. It's just a, a beloved pastime of mine. Stop texting and hanging out with this dude. If you don't want all this drama, I told you this already. There will literally be many more boys and men who are nice to talk to, and they'll probably even be attractive, um, decent or better in bed and unattached to so much fucking drama and someone you won't be leaving in a few weeks for school. Again, you say, oh, we're such good friends, like, but you're not. You say you want to stay friends with him, but it is very likely that 10 months from now, you won't even be thinking about him in any context. Like, you will probably not talk to him until it's getting close to summer vacation and you're thinking about, like, ah, oh, what dicks do I want to put inside of me? And then you'll be like, oh, yeah, S. Look, this drift apart that tends to happen, I mean, it happens to all of us that first year of college. It seems great and awesome to you right now, but, like, I promise um, a lot of this is just the product of age and hormones, uh, your breakup, and the fuzzy feelings of new connections. Lots of things will feel good, Claire. You don't have to follow through on every good feeling that comes your way. And when you can, uh, you know, turn down things that feel good because you realize it's not that great for you, that will be a major maturity accomplishment. But hey, what do I know? I'm just that uh, the silly comedian with a fuck show who you emailed Uh, asking for advice. Uh, But to reinforce my suggestion, I previewed this email with some ManwhoreCon attendees. Because when she emailed me, it was the night before ManwhoreCon, and I was at a bar with like a a group of people who showed up early. Um, So a group of adults aged 23 to 48 were all in agreement. I hope that since you emailed me this, uh, that you've left him the fuck alone. You probably haven't. Uh, I hope you'll heed my advice, but you know, again, you do you, boo-boo. It's going to be a lot easier if you just listen to the advice that you asked for. So, anyways, hey, look, we like Claire, okay? We're we're fans of Claire on this podcast. Just, you know, she's learning. Okay, um, something a little bit more positive. I, I got this nice DM. This comes from Aviva. Uh, she writes, hey, Billy. I've been wanting to write to you for a while, but was too shy. I was a huge Guys We Fuck fan until they went to Luminary. I live in Mexico and don't have access to the streaming service. So I found your podcast, and it's been such a joy listening to you and your interviews. I have learned, laughed, cried, and, like many fans, dreamed about your voice. I'm not creepy, just oversaturated. Anyways, I just wanted to say thank you. I hope I can come to ManwhoreCon someday. As a volunteer, I'm too poor to join Patreon, but I'll be back stateside soon. In the meantime, I'll send a sexy selfie. 
Aviva. Uh, you know, well, look, thank you for the kind words and thanks for the great titty. It's a great titty. It was one titty, but a great titty. Maybe one day I'll even see both of the titties. Who knows? <laughs> um, well, thanks for the kind words. Uh, and, you know, if you if you really want to help out the show and it costs zero dollars to do, consider writing a review for the Man Whore Podcast on iTunes or, sorry, Apple Podcasts. Uh, it does help people uh, discover the show, boost me up the rankings, and not for nothing, when people go uh, and think about listening to the show, they see all these nice, awesome, kind reviews, and they go like, oh, well, 200-something people can't be wrong. So uh, please, if you have an opportunity, leave a rating, and if you have a couple extra uh, seconds, leave a review. This would have been a great review right here. Uh, Podcast so great, I'll send a titty. That that would be the subject line of your review. <laughs> Last piece of business before this week's guest, we're going to do the fan whore appreciation moment. All right. This is the part of the podcast that some of you skip over, but uh, that where I like to <laughs> look, sometimes I can look at the stats and I go like, oh, wow, that must be. Yep. That's the fan whore appreciation moment. That's where that dip is. This is the part of the show where I like to show some appreciation to a few members of my fan whore community on Patreon. These are the folks who uh, hashtag pay for their content and enjoy a slew of great rewards like access to private sex positive discussion groups and over a hundred bonus episodes of the man whore podcast. So I want to give a big thank you to Laura. Uh, You know who you are. You're a big, beautiful boss. My gosh. Thank you to Melina Leon. Uh, I really enjoyed our phone call together. It was great getting to know you. Yeah, I don't really advertise this as an official reward, but I do tend to offer all of my new patrons a 15-minute phone call with yours truly. So it's a nice way to get to know y'all on a personal level. And I want to give a shout-out to Molly. Yeah, you're not only a, a fun drug I've never taken, but apparently you are a Patreon supporter from Singapore. I don't have a last name for you. I, I can't find any information about you. I searched your email address, and the only thing I could gather was you you might have at some point spent time in Singapore. So glad to know the show is uh, really getting global. <laughs> and uh, and you, too, can become a member of our awesome community on Patreon. Membership begins at just $2 per month. And don't feel like that $2 is too small. I've said this many times. If every one of my listeners gave me $2 one time, you know, I wouldn't have to be scrambling side hustles to make ends meet. So I'm just saying. Membership begins at $2 a month, uh, and you're going to get access to a lot of really cool like-minded listeners. Become a member today at patreon.com slash podcast. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. And now for this week's guest, Thought Scholar Noah uh noah is as she describes herself a true bisexual an author an erotic laborer who has coined the terms of pro-ho womanist and pro-hoism not sure if she's gotten those trademarked yet but i i would recommend doing so uh she's a fun follow on the twitters i've been following her for a few years when i was in chicago doing my live show i hit her up because i was like hey you know I, i would love to chat with you finally so uh, it was cool. By the way, Thought Scholar, T-H-O-T, that hoe over there. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't realize that's what that meant either. 
We had a really fun chat uh, talking about sex work, how she got into it, and how she carried it on while being a mother, as well as uh, her dating life as a a single mommy. So, uh, sexy, horny mommies out there, this episode's for you. Let's chat with Noah. I remember discovering uh, webcam girls when I, I think on my 20th birthday. This is a true story. My 20th birthday, I got like some birthday money. That's a thing that happens, right? And then I thought like, ooh, you know, I'm going to finally, I'm going to pay for some porn. I'm going to try those webcamming things I always see the pop-up ads for. So I remember clicking on one, making an account. I bought some like tokens or whatever uh, they were. And it was, it was a blast. Uh, I remember I specifically asked for privates because, you know, I like, I like to get very specified attention. Super fun, super sexy. Now they've got these games they play. They'll be like, hey, give me this many tokens. We'll spin the wheel. I'll do something wacky. These gals get creative with their cam shows, and you should be checking them out at cam4.com. Cam4.com is a free cam site with thousands of hot models broadcasting live from all over the world. And exclusive for Man Whore Podcast listeners, Cam4 has a special offer. You go to cam4coupons.com slash podcast. Create a free account, and Camp4 is going to give you 20 free tokens just to get you started. Just, just some tokens right off the bat for free to sprinkle out there just to stand out a little bit more. Camp4.com has fewer limits and rules for broadcasting than other campsites, so you know you can watch things like public cam shows when the, when the, when the models are using them from their phones in, in cars or parks or the gym. So take advantage of the special offer. Go to camp4coupons.com slash podcast. That's cam, C-A-M, the number four, coupons.com slash podcast. Don't worry, I'm going to put a link in the show notes. Uh, create your free account, get your free tokens, and start watching, chatting, and jerking it with the hottest live models on the internet. And now let's get to the show. Okay, so the omnisexual, I really like the word omnisexual, but I had a friend who was like, I hate that, whatever, whatever, and I was like, oh, um, but I like the way it sounds because it's like an everything, like I like everything, and that's pretty much me. Um, men are men are at the kind of the bottom of my list. Um, in general, cis men <laughs> for everything, tra- yes, yeah, for men, fucking, men, for politics, like, music, whatever. Like, it is. And I've had a lot of male friends and a lot of um women friends as well, and um, I've had equal problems. And I know that, like, people hate when you say that, like, there's a lot of women who will be like, oh, I can't be friends with women because they're this, this, and that. And I hate Mm. that because I love, you know, having women friends. But in my experience as being a sex worker, though, Mm. I've had a hard time having women friends because of that. Only, really, because of that. Because they find out you do sex work and they're like, oh. Yeah. Or they ask me, like, really concerned troll type of questions. Like, when I was on Tinder... I used to get a lot of questions from women about the type of work and, you know, them wanting to be safe and STDs and all of that stuff. And I'm like, I get tested every three or four months. That's usually what I say. But like, when when's the last time you get tested? <laughs> right. And all of a sudden they go, uh, uh, I need to check my calendar. I'm like, you know who doesn't have to check their calendar terribly often for their last testing or sex work? <laughs> yeah, I, I get tested all the time. And so... And then that's, but that's only when I'm doing like full service work, Mm. but they ask me really uncomfortable questions or they uh, suddenly my opinion is invalidated Mm. or, you know, like, especially when like things come, like, I don't know if you saw on Twitter, but like, I'll talk, I talk about cheating occasionally. Okay. 
there's this thing are you pro or con (laughs) i'm neither there's this thing i've been cheated on and i've cheated once um with my um my son's dad like i cheated back but um it wasn't planned Mm -hmm. but i was like i don't feel that bad about this like i feel bad but not bad enough because you cheated on me like four times before this happened right and he got really violent when it happened too and i was like i'm not breaking your stuff and doing all kind of crazy shit to you and you cheated on me the entire time we were together yeah so for me there's this thing going on with cheating um um where people are saying mainly women are saying that cheating is abusive Hmm. like just inherently abusive and i'm like you know it can be but there's context. Like, you know, if you're talking a serial cheater. Can't believe you just said the C or, word. You're yeah. not allowed to say that one. <laughs> yeah. Like, and that, like, the, I always get like hammered with that. Like, there's context. You know, you're talking, if you're talking serial cheaters, that, yeah, that's abusive. If you're talking like, but usually when you're saying cheating is abusive, we're thinking of context as far as like the relationship being abusive too. Like, usually there's other stuff going on too. Or that person is just like cheating all the time, all the time. And, I don't think that cheating is inherently abusive. Mm. Like I said, I think it can be, but the context matters. Like, because the thing is, is that like what happens when you say, when women are saying that cheating is abusive. What do they mean when they say the word abusive? That it's inherently abusive. No, like, no, like what, like I think sometimes people use like a word like abusive or safe. There's a lot of words that people throw around their buzzwords, but yeah. I'm like, well, what do you mean by just this word? Like, what do they mean by abusive? No one ever clarifies what they mean. Okay. That's the thing. Like they'll say that cheating, my thing is, my thing is this, this is how it appears to me mm. because I've been doing, I've been fielding this cheating is inherently abusive thing for a long time. Eight times out of 10, I will say that those women are also anti-sex worker. Mm-hmm. Or they have these qualifiers for sex work. For me, it's like this. I've had this conversation in groups for like years and years. And I start seeing it more and more because they think of cheating as something that men do. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I've seen a lot of black feminists dealing with, like trying to get away from everything being rooted in trauma and trying to move toward healing and solutions, solution-based things. And we're, that's what we see in um, pleasure activism and whatever now, sometimes on the flip side of things, they get too into the whole empowerment thing and they ignore certain things that are important because it is important to work through your trauma. But at the same time, men are not the only ones cheating. So once you complicate it like that, and the thing is, is that like also women are catching up in cheating. The more Don't, don't women cheat at higher rates than men? No, it's okay. about the same. Gotcha. And it, 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 it has grown to being about the same. See, women didn't really have like the freedom Right. to cheat as much but, but once now, we gave them jobs and the votes <laughs> then they're out now cheating. that <laughs> now that women have more um freedom sure. economically they don't have to worry that you know we don't have to worry that if we cheat that you know we won't have We're gonna you get know thrown out. yeah like we won't have income or we won't have any of this <laughs> other stuff that will happen because a lot of the times what it really is is that cheating is more detrimental for women because we are shamed more heavily for cheating. Whereas with cheating with men is seen as that's something that men do. That's why you're getting this cheating is inherently abusive thing because, you know, men do all these fucked up things. So it's like, you know, men are the ones who are cheating the most. In reality, now we're in the situation where women are cheating about just as much as men are. And you're not saying that 
now sometimes people will come back at me and be like, well, I think it's abusive when they do it too. But usually what I'm hearing is that men cheating is abusive and the women who they cheat with are also abusers. When you throw sex workers into the mix, it complicates things uh. because now you have people who are working, you know, for economic survival, which all sex workers are doing. And well, for the most, most sex workers, I'll yeah. say, depending on their sure, class sure, sure. level. And that complicates the question. So when I brought that up on Twitter, people were like, well, you're just a cheating whore. And that, that's when it really starts coming out. I'm not out. cheating on nobody. <laughs> and they, I was like, I'm not, me. <laughs> I'm not justifying cheating. Yeah. But I am saying that I don't think it's inherently abusive. I think that there's a lot of stuff that goes around it and that it can be abusive. Well, they're also trying to put blame on on someone who's on someone else for the actions of that dude or whoever right. was the cheater. It's like, no, like he's the cheater. This is just a person involved. I'm a big fan of of I do not think the like other person is like a bad person for sleeping with someone who is like not supposed to sleep with other people right with a caveat of unless you target like unless you're targeting married men then right. it's or married women or whatever um i'm like i don't think that's that person's responsibility i don't think if, right. a, if a chick who's like not supposed to hook up with other dudes wants to hook up with me i do not think that's on me um right. unless i'm going out and like Ooh, I see. She clearly has a boyfriend now. I'm gonna go flirt with her and see if I can get it. Still, like right. that's, like, that's kind of fucked up, right? But outside of th that, I'm like, it's not your responsibility. Like that's on them. They're the shitty person. You're just someone trying to have a good time, right? Like if or I make a living, if I since I'm married, so but I, you know, I have I'm, I'm a sex worker, so it's a little mm. bit different. But you know, say I'm married, I'm monogamous, I'm not a sex worker, and whatever, and I go out and I cheat on my husband. Well, that's that's my fault. That's mm. my problem. And that's my responsibility. And that's the same. It's the same thing with the men who go out and they and they cheat, whether they're cheating with a sex worker, or they're cheating with someone else. That's not the sex worker or the other person's responsibility. Exactly. Now, if that person who they cheated with starts trying to, you know, invade my life or texting me, that's when it's a problem. Right, right. Like, I never understand women who text other women about the uh, the man and like well he's over here with me and he's doing this and i'm like why are you texting me about it's it well, they're trying to pull a power move and now you just look <laughs> fucking weak um but but yeah uh it's a good time let's just get this part real quick out of the way it's like i'm here with uh noah uh aka thought scholar yes on uh on twitter someone i've been following for uh, a bit of time at and now um a lot of people that you guys have all heard on the show uh follow follow her as well uh i realize so um, but but the first question, which I don't think we actually got to, was what's the difference between omnisexual and pansexual? Oh, okay. So and why I don't do you think there's a really big difference between what they mean. Uh -huh. um, just like bisexual for me means like I just like what I like. Mm -hmm. But I like omnisexual because I just think it sounds really cool and sci-fi. Okay. <laughs> pansexual, I like the meaning of the word. I just... I don't like how the P hits my ear. So this is just an oral aesthetic <laughs> yes, for you. Yes, it's just You're an just aesthetic. <laughs> it's just an aesthetic thing. Like I told people, you know, if I wasn't so attached to the word bisexual, because I've known that I was bisexual since I was a kid. Right. I'm talking like nine, ten years old. Right. So that was the first word that I heard that fit me, and it's um and for me because I've read bisexual histories and everything like that, I know that it was never meant to just be binary. However, there are a certain amount of people that take it to mean that and take on that label and that's what it means to them mm. they're also usually like the um they usually sometimes fall into the group of lesbians who are turfs mm. 
you know, they're transphobic. So like, you know, that's well, that over there. You, you use bisexual because you grew up with it in the same way right. that honestly the kids today who would if they grew up when because are, are you vaguely my age like maybe late 20s or something or i'm 29 oh you're 29 cool yeah. i'm 30 so like when we were growing up just there was we didn't really have the, these other words right but like the kids today growing up with the internet like they just know of the word pansexual so right. they're gonna grow up with that one and you know when they're 30 and 29 there there's gonna be a new word and they're gonna be like these kids and they're yeah. weird, right? It's, it's always going to be the next generation looking at the one coming up being like, what the fuck does that mean? Right. You know? Like I try to take that, the generational differences into account. It's, to me, it reminds me of queer. Sure. There's a lot, there's a, you know, Gen X is really where that split happened, where there's some people who identify with the word queer and what it means today. Mm -hmm. There's some people who are like, I could never use that word to yeah. describe me. I could never, that's not for me. For me, when it comes to, when it comes to my space in my page, I use the word queer. If someone tells me, oh, I don't want to be called queer, I don't call them queer. Yeah. And that's that's just the rule that I follow. But I let Jordan people know. Jordan doesn't want to be called queer. Cool. Right. I'll make that in my little note about I got my Jordan page. Jordan right. doesn't like to be called queer and is gluten free. <laughs> right. On my page, I use queer and LGBTQ. Yeah. So that it's more inclusive. But I use the word queer a lot. I let people know that, hey, in my space, on my page, yeah. I use the word queer and this is what it means to me. But if I, you know, when it comes to a on a personal level, you know, I, I'll call you what you want to be called. Right. And also acknowledging that there were there were valid criticisms of the word queer and you know i have a list of essays that I always give people where it's like yeah this person had valid criticisms of the of the word queer and i you know i really like it i remember um i can never remember kathy's last name but there's a black feminist named kathy um or no 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 is it was it kathy cohen I feel like it was Kathy Cohen, but it might have been Cheryl Clark. Anyway, one of them, so many C's. So many. But one of them wrote a really great essay that I always suggest to people that critiques the word queer. And she had a lot of valid criticisms. But mm -hmm. however, however, I still feel like the word queer fits me. Mm -hmm. So. Okay. Well, so so you're a writer. You're a sex worker. Uh, I, I think you, you you called yourself an, an uncredentialed scholar. Yes. Uh, did I miss any... Uh, job titles. No, I mean I draw. <laughs> I'm an illustrator. Right. Um, and occasionally singing is a hobby. Okay. Okay. But you seem to do a lot of work in trying to educate people on like on platforms like Twitter and Medium and such about yeah. uh, sex work and feminism and and whatnot. How how do you how do you find this? Like where what was the impetus for all that for you? Well, for me, it's like I've always been like kind of a independent scholar. I've always been a reader. That's just, I was the kid who spent time in the library mm -hmm. all the time. And I didn't really get on Twitter with the, with the intention of like teaching other people or, or anything like that. It was just a social thing for mm -hmm. me. I wanted to write a book though. So I started blogging a book on Medium. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think that anybody was ever going to see any of it. Some people saw it and they latched on to some of my earlier work. Some of which I don't like anymore. Sure. And um, it just kind of like snowballed into like where it is now. But when I started getting on Twitter, I got into my account in 2013 
And I I had like a few hundred followers. I don't know why people followed me back then. I was terrible. I tweeted terribly. I don't know if anyone else has ever looked at their tweets from like 2011 or 2013. But like I, I deleted was, a couple. I, 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 I deleted and, a lot. Not a lot. Of stuff. But I like the show growth. But there's a few where I'm like, mm, that's not going to be good later. Yeah. <laughs> well, for me, I don't have and I, people always get mad at me when I say this because they think I'm just being braggy. But um, I've kind of always been the way that I am. Mm hmm. I've grown a lot in a lot of areas as far as like my knowledge has expanded, but I've always been kind of open and I, I read a lot. That that was my thing. So I learned about a lot of stuff that certain people my age didn't learn about really young. I was reading stuff that was like kind of beyond me that I shouldn't okay. have You were in the restricted reading. section maybe? Yeah, yeah, I was reading a lot of different things and... So I don't have like, nobody could ever go back in my old tweets and find like transphobic, homophobic, like none of that kind of stuff or really like that. You were that, ahead of the curve. Yeah, like I kind of was and I knew and I knew um, what direction I was headed in when I was 18. So that's why, you know, I kept learning and I kept reading. And what direction was that? Um, well, for one, like my mom was really abusive. Okay. So, um, and there were a lot of things that she said that I wasn't really sure about. Like my mom is one of those, my mom's a first gen grad. She's one of those kind of, um, what we call in our community, black excellence type of people. Um, she's very, she, we were working class, but she's very middle-class minded. Mm. And she's also one of those people that I have gay friends, but I say homophobic or transphobic things. Uh. Yeah, like she's really like one of those like when you call her on something, you'd be like, oh, that's kind of homophobic. She's like, that's not homophobic. Like I have gay friends, you know, like, yeah. yeah. So um, and so. Is that weird for you being a queer kid growing up? Yeah. Well, my mom was like when I was growing up, my mom would like say she's also one of those people like I love everyone, but I would never want a gay kid. Now. There, 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 I feel like there are different motivations for those types of phrases because there's yeah. some where like, I don't want a gay kid. And there's some where like, I don't want a gay kid because the kid's going to burn. Sometimes I don't want a gay kid because like, I mean, it's great and all, but like, oh, don't make me go. And, but some people, it's almost out of this place of compassion where like, they know how fucking tough it is and yeah. they don't want that for their children. Like, they just don't want any hardships. and They know that that is a hard life to live in the current society we're in yeah but those people the, the ones you're talking about yeah. where it's coming from compassion they usually will move into a space where they're very accepting of their of course kids and of whatever. course but my like, mom yeah. told me she would never march mm. for um queer people still not she still yeah don't? she still yeah okay. she told me that last year when i was seeing somebody and I, a woman and i was gonna bring her or whatever and she's like why would you like yeah like yeah. it was just She's like, and she works with youth, so it was like very alarming. Oh. Yeah. I was like, well, what if you have, she's like, I'll march for black people and I'll do this and that, but I'd never march for just for black queer people because you're black. So you just march with black people. And I'm like, yeah, but that's, that doesn't make any sense. And you're working with kids. So, you know, if you have queer youth, you know, um, black and brown kids, what are you going to say to them? Yeah, you know. Well, then well, I mean, did that delay? Like, I don't know when you came out to her, but like, did that delay your coming out, or did it just make it a lot harder when you when you eventually did? Or I'm this might be coming from a place of privilege, but I don't believe in coming out necessarily. You just let her figure it out. Yeah, like, like well, for me, <laughs> for me with my family, I never, I never tell them anything. Gotcha. It like okay, like one time I let slip that I was an atheist, and my mom 
chased me out of the house, screaming and cursing <laughs> at me. I told my aunt on the on the phone <laughs> once, and she cried. Yeah, like my mom was like, I can't believe that you, what did you say? I was like 18 or 19. And she's like, what did you say? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to put this conversation on for another 10 years. <laughs> yeah, she'd see me with a Richard Dawkins book. Ooh, it wasn't an atheist book, though. Yeah. It was a science book. Yeah, wait, which one is, which one's, uh, um, I, I, I read, there's two, because there's one, I think that's like his, and then there's the other one that, uh that's like based on his is his the one about game theory or genes um god i can't remember but i know that there is a picture book that was based off of that yeah that he did and it was i was reading about birth and different things like that in the book and mm. i think it might have been about genes sure but it was a really cool book i don't know what so i did with even it. coming out as an atheist was like a big no-no so yeah you never did a whole like hey everyone i'm bisexual no. No. But they yeah. but they all know. No. They don't? I no. mean, they haven't figured it out? I feel like- I don't <laughs> tell them things. Sure. The, the first person I brought home was my son's dad. Okay. Um, And then I had a kid with him, and I was with him for five years. I had dated people, a lot of people before him. Okay. I never brought anyone home. So you- And since then, you haven't brought home, like, even other men? Um, No. Um, She's met my current partner yeah. in passing- Sure. Um, we broke up after that, and then we were apart for like almost a year, and then we got back together, and then we got married. So how uh, how long have you been with this one? Um, it depends on where you count Let, from. Let's say a <laughs> aggregate. How long have I known him? <laughs> no, like you've been together. I know y'all had like a breakup or whatever, but like t t total. <sighs> so we kind of did this thing. Oh boy, here story. Let me. Oh, shift my body. Um, okay. That people said was very <laughs> lesbian of me. Okay. Um, we got together really fast, and mm -hmm. then he moved in right after, like almost right after we got together for a little while. We were together for a few months. Then, then we broke up, mm -hmm. and then we kind of we dated other people, did other things. He went to some school or whatever for a little while, and then we became really good friends. And then we got back together, so that's why it's really hard. And then we got married like almost right after. So when did you? St when did he move in? Like again? The first time. First time we <laughs> did together. I'm just trying to get again. Trying to get context. We um we met at the end of 2017. Okay. Oh geez, there's that much back and forth in like maybe maybe two years. Yeah. <laughs> that's tumultuous. I don't want. <laughs> no. Well, it's it. It wasn't. How really. many different breakups have y'all had? One. One. Okay. Yeah, okay. he had to go That's get fine. his shit together. He went back to New York, and then we got back together. And um, by then we had really established a, a really good friendship. How old is the kid? My kid. He yeah. will be seven at the end of the summer. Okay. And how's he? How's he do with the? I am dating someone with a kid. He has kids, so he's got kids. Set. Yeah. So great. You yeah, get a we, kid. You get we a have kid. we have a good time. My my kid. He's. He's very um affectionate and he's very um he's a very warm, physical, huggy, cuddly type of kid and okay. he um his dad was kind of in and out so he doesn't really know him like that. All right. So now he calls my partner dad. Oh. It's strange for me because I didn't have a dad like that. Sure. So that's just my own problem. I don't bring it to to the two of them, but, but is there they're any, cool with it. It, it. But there's no discomfort in him uh, jump into calling him dad 
um, even though the short period of time you two have been together. No, they just, no, they've known. He's known him since discomfort then. for you. I yeah, mean, like, it's for me sure. because. It's like you're ready um, to commit to this guy because, like, I, I mean, I've only known him like two years. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, like when he's a little kid, and like that, and that's why I was like, I, I mean, it's up to the two of them sure. how they negotiate their relationship with each other. <laughs> I love the gonna, idea of you saying like a seven year old negotiating anything. Yeah, I love <laughs> well, he has his own. He's his own person. Sure, of course. And but. um, you know, they we've we've all talked about it. We have pretty open communication here, mm-hmm. and um, you know, for his age. Or whatever, and they talked about it, and they seem comfortable with it. So I'm just going with it. Like I have my own discomfort. I think it's my own thing. Okay, <laughs> it's my okay. problem. Did you have? Did you do like an intro? Like an intro? Like here is I. I, for, I, I didn't catch his name, but like here is him. Did yeah, you do, like Malik. introduce? Did you introduce him to Malik? It was uh, well, they, or was it like, like oh, he, can you help Malik move his boxes? And oh yeah, he's moving in with us. Like <laughs> like he um we he we always talked on the phone openly, video calls, yeah. all the talking. You know, my son's all in my shit all the time, so he like he like knew him, and then like he came. He was supposed to be visiting, and he just decided to stay. And but at some point, you have to like kind of sit down with the kid. Uh, yeah, and say we talk like, all "Hey, the time. so this man is going to move in, and like, how do you feel about it? What like, what was that yeah. conversation like? Introducing because this is a question I do get from right. uh, listeners who are who do have children who are maybe in the thirties and forties, and they they've maybe been um, finished with like a first marriage, and they're dating again, or they're poly. And I have gotten the question was like, how, how do I? When do you introduce the kid? How do you introduce that conversation? Yeah, yeah that's a, a lot of people have a weirdness about that because especially with single mothers, for obvious reasons, mm-hmm. you know, there's sexism involved in that. But for like, like, for instance, like I have a um one of my sisters is always making like these little comments about my mom while having had a lot of boyfriends. And my mom was one of those people who was like in serial relationships. She'd be with someone for like two years most of them didn't live with us. I think only one of them actually lived with us. Mm-hmm. But she'd be with somebody for two or three years and then they would just like disappear. <laughs> like, and then she, you know, but my mom also always had male friends who were just, you know, platonic friends. And so for me, I was the oldest and it was never weird to me because I had male friends a lot growing up. Sure. And I kept those friendships as I became an adult for the most part. So, like, I never understand my, like, it's so weird. Me and my sisters are all each different people. Mm. I never understand their gripe with my mom, with these guys, because none of these guys ever, like, really harmed any of us, except for the one that lived with us. Okay. Um, Because he was one of those that was a spanker. But um, other than him, who I have a major problem with. Sure. The other ones Naturally. were just kind of like I just never paid attention to any of them. They never paid attention to us. So it never. It, so so and especially being the oldest, like there was no thought. What was the thought about just moms in and out? Like you never gave it a second thought. No, that she's in and out of well, all these. No, because she was. They like I said that she was a serial dater, and a lot of adults in our life were serial daters too. But okay. the only difference for her was that she had kids. And a lot of the other adults we saw who dated people for like two years and whatever, they didn't have any kids. I think a lot of times people think once you have kids in the mix, you have to change your entire habits. You do to a certain extent, but not really, I don't think. For me, it's more of like being able to have a certain amount of caution, gauge someone's character, make sure my kid is comfortable 
and make sure that this person knows that if he were to ever harm my child, I would likely murder him. Well, <laughs> before before Malik, what was dating like with the kid? Um, I think I only dated one person seriously where I considered us living together. Sure, but even just the the more not even just the particular relationships, but just the act of dating, of going out to meet up, like what did that I don't have like a weirdness about about dating. Like I mm. always had male friends. My son has always known my mm. friends. So men were always around and my male friends are all feminists. Sure. Or you know, and and queer usually. You know, yeah. I have a lot, I have a few bisexual male friends sure. and gay or, you know, even straight male friends, they are, they consider themselves feminists. Mm. So, and th- that means they're open to correction with certain behaviors. A lot of my, most of my male friends have children. They don't spank. Mm. So we have similar values. And so, you know, I don't have to have certain fears when I bring them around. My son, we sit and we play video games and watch TV. Sure. But did you find any challenges in dating like, time commitments and or or uh like were there any maybe there weren't challenges but it's like you're you're literally responsible for another human yeah like i it's hard for me to it's hard just to date in general then it's like you've got a date with this kid involved i think that i really like how my mom dated and i think that people believe that children are like really fragile Mm -hmm. in a certain way and instead of like thinking of them as tiny people with opinions. <laughs> and I think of my son as a tiny person with opinions. He asks me questions I answer in an age appropriate way. Um, if I have a, if I want to go out for a date, I, you know, I usually tell my dates, you know, I can't go out unless I have a babysitter when he was mm-hmm. younger. Now that he's older, I'll just go out when he goes to bed. He goes to bed at eight o'clock. I, I you know, I, I, I'll go out. Okay. Um, I, um, I don't mind having house dates. You know, a guy, if I know, if I get to know him, you know, well enough, you know, eventually, you know, you come over and we'll just watch a movie, we'll hang out and then you leave, you know? Do you, do you, well, I guess maybe before Malik, but would you fuck when the kid was here? Yeah. Because some people get weird about it. I, again, yeah. I don't give a fuck, but it's like, he some people like get dead. weird about it. <laughs> he sleeps like he's dead. Yeah. And they just, you know, um, he's, a, um, he sleeps straight through the night. He's six. Mm-hmm. You know, if he gets up and goes to the bathroom, he goes to the bathroom. Um, I don't, I don't, um, I usually come out if, you know, you gotta use the bathroom, you know, go straight into the bathroom, come straight back to the room. If we're sitting out here on the couch and there's two of us, we're just sitting out here, then, you know, that doesn't matter. You just, I just escort him back to bed. If he wakes up, you know, it's whatever. Who is that? That's my friend. Yeah. And, <laughs> and does he know what mom does for work? I, w- I don't think he's really aware like that. Yeah. Um, it's not like I don't talk about what I do openly to a certain extent sure. I don't not necessarily the sex work but the fact that what you do is in the realm of sex not like hey yeah. you know i sometimes like do things with men for money it's like but like just the concept that you're in this sexual realm not just with the sex work but your writing your illustrations I, and such like that he, the fact- he knows about my writing and he knows okay. about all of my stuff i don't really hide anything from him but i don't i don't think he's really aware He's mm. like, kids are really self-centered. He listens and he hears certain things. And if he has a question, he asks me because I don't get mad when he asks me mm. questions. Like how my mom used to get. What kind of questions does he ask you? Some Like sometimes when I'll be watching TV in my room and there's a sex scene, he'll be like, what's it? Like I was watching Pose once. There is a sex scene okay. happening. 
and he's like which which one um it was the first season so was it ricky and uh no it was um angel and the, the guy from um yeah yeah and, and the, the white boy yeah yeah i like him a lot did they even have sex in or did they just like make out and just they lay were, in bed and talk <laughs> no that not that not the first time when he sure, got sure. her the apartment right 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 yeah so they were making out and they were getting into the bed and whatever and my son just walks into my room casually and then like i'm not paying attention to him because I, I was watching in the background i'd seen it a bunch of times and he's like what are they doing and i'm like oh i guess they're gonna have sex i don't <laughs> and he's like what sex and i'm like it's something that grown-ups do and i explain just a little bit you know about like you know when you know you don't have to love each other or whatever but like sometimes people have sex and you'll eventually you'll learn about it uh you know, like, because so, he, because he's not really at the age where he needs to know the mechanics of sure. things. <laughs> right now, he just knows it's a, it's an adult activity. Yeah. So. Okay. Uh, are there other questions that like? Oh, and he said it was gross. <laughs> <laughs> that was his response. They all just look sweaty, mommy. Yeah, I was like, you they know, look sweaty and tired. I was like, yeah, grownups, grownups do that sometimes, and I was like, and I was like, one day you're gonna grow up and you might want to have sex, and he's like, no, no, I won't. It's gross. <laughs> and i said okay all right keep that energy <laughs> keep it as long as you can because once you want to have sex it just it dominates your mind and it's it's tiring just even finding it let alone doing it I've, honestly delay having don't delay sex for moral reasons De- delay sex so you can like indulge in your creativity and all these other awesome things yeah you know, i just oh man i think sometimes if i just if i spent a little less time thinking about sex um uh, the things i could have created or done yeah i think for me and like i said i don't know i was a strange teenager how so i I discovered masturbation way earlier than a lot of girls. Mm-hmm. And so that was, that was, well, I pretty mean, how much, early? I would say 10. See, I, you know, I, I hear a lot of people say I discovered it before most girls. Yeah. But a lot of girls tell me this. They'll be like, yeah, I discovered when I was like six, seven, eight, yeah. 10, whatever, you know, and it's like, I think see, maybe it's more, way more, I think it's just so much more common. They get, when they take these surveys, they say that the average for girls, the average age is like mm, 12 or 13. Mm hmm. And the average age for boys is earlier. But I think it's all about, too, how we encourage different things and who's open about it. I think those surveys are also getting thrown off by the women who don't discover masturbation until, like, college. Yeah. That's throwing off that average a bit. Because I, I yeah. think it's generally, uh, you know, on the younger side. But, you know, when we got when I we get women. most of us <laughs> discover when we're kids different things about our yeah. bodies and stuff. But, like, I didn't think. I loved humping. Like, I wanted to. I knew eventually I was going to have sex. Yeah. And I didn't think of the things that I did with girls when I was in junior high as sex either because I have been taught that sex is like penetration, you know, with a man. And so it was really weird because people thought I knew that people thought of two men together as sex. Yeah. So basically all revolved around a dick. And as long as I didn't have any dick in my life, I wasn't having sex. So I did things with girls off and on and I kissed boys, but I didn't do anything else. And I just kind of gave myself time. I never felt I never felt any pressure. And I think that's partially because I was I'm a girl mm. or was a girl and partially because I didn't put pressure on myself. I just was like, you know, and also the mother that I had, you know, the, this is a mom who wouldn't let me use tampons because it was sexual. It was penetration. Okay. So she didn't tell me about sex. Really. I had to learn about that on my own. And I knew that sex could get you pregnant. 
And I feared getting pregnant and being stuck in my mother's house for longer than I needed to be. So I was like, I'm just going to chill out until, because I knew my mom wouldn't let me get on birth control like the other girls I knew also. So I was like, I'm just going to chill out until I go to college. Yeah. That's what I did. And and when did the sex work start? Um, When I was in college. Okay. What, yeah. what did you start with? What What form of sex work? Somebody just asked me, you know, if I wanted to make a little bit of money to suck a dick. And I was like, that's not really sex necessarily at the time <laughs> so this is this is still around like how can i not be one of those whores having sex why no, can, how how was, can i do stuff without it being quote unquote it was sex? never it was never that mm. i never i never felt that way and that's why i said you know i was a strange teen when i was 16 somebody had made a comment about how i could be a stripper because i did something it was one of my cousins or something um okay. like we were all dancing or whatever I'm and listening. she was trying to insult me yeah but i was like in love with the movie the players club at the time yeah. so i was like i thought it was kind of glamorous but also dangerous and i was like if i could just keep away from the dangerous part i really probably could be a stripper i want to do that and because, i was 16. because it was like you could be a stripper doing that and you were like really me yes oh gosh thank you <laughs> yes so much. and this is this is one of the reasons why i didn't have a lot of a lot of girlfriends a- after a while because like they didn't like that that part. They thought, yeah. you know, they think you're going to take their boyfriend or try to, you know, do stuff like that, even though I never wanted the boys. Like, like I want you. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And so it was like, all right, well, you can watch. I was 16. I had skipped a grade. So I was 16 when I was a senior mm. and I was 17 when I went to college. Okay. Um, And so I was at 16. I was Googling, like trying to figure out, like, how can I be a stripper? <laughs> and so... When I went to college, this guy like propositioned me. And then when I say, you know, I don't think I didn't think it was really sex. Like I still had these ideas of what real sex was just from growing up. And I wasn't really trying to get away from it. I was just trying to ease into ease into things. And so I was like, all right, I can do this. And I made a little bit of money because I'd never had a job. My mom never let me work. Um just weird to come from middle like a like a middle class. class yeah because yeah. it's all about go get a job my sisters worked yeah my mom was abusive remember so like uh-huh. that was her way of controlling me she didn't want me to have any money to do anything else mm-hmm. with my sister she kind of relinquished a little bit why you um i was the oldest i was the gifted child and i was a straight a student up until high school when i became a disappointment <laughs> But you were so. But but so, are you saying she didn't want you to work because she wanted you to focus on studies? Because like you could get out of this because you're the smart one. My well, my mom was a teacher. Okay. She didn't want me to work because she wanted to control me financially. She stopped buying me clothes in high school, and she like basically was trying to force me into getting my grades up. She didn't. She's not one of those parents that really believed in depression. Um, sure, but she's doing that because she thinks you're the one who can actually go to college and get in. And she, do yeah, things. she saw me as like the golden child, right? So she was like, "If you could, this just, is the scholarship yeah. kid, yeah." So we got to keep her on track, yeah. And but she has I wouldn't. Fun clothes, I she's wouldn't, gonna go try to have fun, and we, she's not allowed to do that. Yeah, and I wouldn't, but I wouldn't improve my grades. I just barely right. got through most of high school, and then when I decided that I was going to get straight A's again, I did. Yeah, because. I was depressed through most of high school because of my mom and her behavior. Mm-hmm. And so um, 
yeah, that was a time. And then when I went and some guy propositioned me, I was like, I need some pocket money. My mom wouldn't give me a whole lot of spending money. And I, you know, I didn't see the world of work as something I wanted to be a part of. (laughs) Um, I did eventually get a couple of part-time jobs, but I never could. I'd show up on time, I'd go, and then I'd just be like, one day I'd just be like, I don't want to do this shit anymore. Right. So so it started off with one guy's like, hey, wanna wanna blow me for some cash? And yeah. then what 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 was the, the journey from there? I did that a few times and then I applied for some part time jobs and then I did that and I was off that shit for a little bit. So no bit. more sex work or No, I was seventeen, so that really was all that I could do at the time. Well, I mean like current like like in your in your adulthood. Oh, like my, what's yeah. like, what is, like how did you well, get into sex work, which is that guy well, and then that, and then I took since? some part time jobs while I was in college and then I still was doing that occasionally, mm. like blowing dudes for a little bit of spending money in between jobs and then I went home for the summer. I turned eighteen at the end of my freshman year of college. Okay. See. So I started stripping a little bit while I was at college and then I had to go home. Now, like I was a very, even for growing up, you know, working class, my mom's a teacher and whatever, I was still a very sheltered child because like I said, my mom wanted to be middle class. Mm. So I, she's like, you got to come home this summer. I went home for the summer and then she said, you have to get out. And she was like, I'll get, I'll co-sign on an apartment for you and I'll help you pay for it. And then she co-signed on the first apartment that we looked at. And she and doesn't she, realize that she now just gave you a place to like have clients. Yeah, well, she the, bailed. She bailed on me. Oh no! Yeah, she said she was going to help me pay for it, and yeah. I had like five hundred dollars in my pocket. The rent was like four fifteen or four fifty or something, yeah. and she was supposed to help me with the first couple of months. And me being the good child that I was, I was like, I'm going to get a regular job and I'm going to do this. So I applied for a bunch of jobs and whatever because it was in Bloomington, Indiana, you understand? So yeah. like there's not a lot of strip clubs there. There's only one that I know of. It's called Night Moves. I ended up working there after I couldn't find a regular job. But I tried to avoid it because I knew it wasn't something I was supposed to want to do. Mm. So I looked for regular jobs first. When I couldn't find anything, I started stripping again. And then I um I got a part-time seasonal job for a little while while I was stripping I was doing that. So I was working like 50 hours a week. Most of them stripping. All right. <laughs> and then I started um I still like I, like I said I had to ease my way into certain things cuz like I was a virgin all the way up until the beginning of that year that I turned 18. So then virgin by the meaning of like I hadn't had penetrated the, Yeah, the sex. penis in the vagina. Yeah by then then like so then that was new to me and then i started had getting propositions from guys in the strip club right and then this guy was like i'll pay you eight hundred dollars to meet me at you know the the hotel over here and we can do you know we can ease into it and do whatever because you know i was really young and he knew that he was like 60 something and he was a seasoned hobbyist. Yeah, but he's also like he needs to ease into it because like his he's, you know he's got like a new hip. Like he yeah. needs, he has he needs to he ease a, into it. He was a businessman. <laughs> he had like a thirty something year old wife, right. and he's like you know like he'd like you know travel back and forth all the time. He did have a lot of money because he was always spending a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And he was like, hey, you know, like eight hundred dollars for an hour, and I'll meet you at such and such a place. I had never had that much money at once in my life at that age and so i was like i think i thought about it for a couple of days he came back and i was like all right i'll do it so i went and i met him there and we had a good time 
Right. <laughs> and so you you so you typically do client work? Do you not do stripping anymore? Like, what do you what do you currently? I, sh- I stripped for two years. Now I'm doing um, phone sex. Okay. A lot. How's I, that? I it's. <laughs> I'm in and out of phone sex. <laughs> there are a lot of pedophiles who call phone sex lines. Yeah. I did not think of that, and I did not know that. And I had a friend. They who, want you to do like young voices. Yeah, well, that, but they also tell you really fucked up shit. Yeah, like one of them told me that he had a girlfriend who had an 11 year old daughter who she let give him a hand job, and is and who he is trying to ease into having sex with. And that shit's terrifying. And there, it's anonymous, so you don't know these people. You can't report them. You don't. You can't know, what report I'm saying? to the company or anything. Yeah, like it's just, it's really weird. You can cancel the call, sure, and whatever, and like you can say something, but they can't. Like it's anonymous. Like they they lo- they sign in. The accounts are anonymous, so it's like because in know, webcamming you can't do. Because I, I used to yeah. cam. Uh, you, you weren't, we weren't allowed to do age play stuff. So even right. if like, like if a guy would come into my room and say like he wanted to like do underage role play, like I'd have to instantly boot him because I was like, otherwise you're going to get me in trouble. Right. Um, yeah. You can't so do it's that interesting on cam. It's not in that with the, with the phone sex. Yeah. Like it's a, because it's so anonymous. That's why phone sex What's that stays like alive. That for you? It's terrifying. Yeah. It's like, wow. Like, and I, like there's this little girl out there who's given this old dude hand jobs because her mom is just like letting this shit happen and there's nothing I can do about it. And it's kind of fucked up. And so I'm in and out of phone sex because of that. And because I can't, I'm getting, I'm getting to the place where I'm like, you need to just stay on and just boot those guys and then just get through the calls so mm-hmm. that I can build up some regulars. But it's just really hard because I always have so many pedophile calls when I start back up. Like mm-hmm. it's just, I cammed for a few years and I'm trying to get back into camming, but after the harassment last year, what, what um, harassment? I was like harassed for like a month or two by this woman. I'm not gonna say her name on okay. here, but she had a couple of large accounts at the at the time. Twitter on Twitter, okay. yeah, and she was harassing me. Made a whole podcast about me. Um, told people where. I, my my event was going to be this June. Threatened to show up there, put my full legal name online. And why? And this is all because you were camming. All no, this was because she had quoted quote tweeted me earlier that year in January of 2018, and was like basically talking shit about me needing rent money, mm. and um, I was really really short on rent, like six hundred dollars short, sure. and. Some, a deal that I had and some money that I had lined up had fallen through. And she quote tweeted me and was like, you're a sex worker. How are you broke? And said some little fucked up shit. I blocked her, but other people could still see it. So she's like, well, I didn't say I didn't do anything, but she had a bunch of followers who latched onto that. And next thing I knew, I had a bunch of people in my mentions just like saying a bunch of fucked up shit about me not being a good sex worker because how could I be broke? Sex work was never a career move for me. For Mm -hmm. some people, it is their career. And that's great. For me, I was a creative. And this is is not a new thing. This has been in several generations back to blues singers and shit. Like people have always moonlit as sex workers to supplement their income for their creative work until they could take off. And then they just forget about that like who? or whatever. 
Um, I can't pinpoint anyone, but I know that um, people tell me that Maya Angelou was a sex worker okay. or dabbled in it at one point. Um, there's a lot of different artists who have dabbled in sex work or erotic labor, not necessarily calling themselves sex workers or even identifying as such, but they just did favors for certain people so that they could get to certain men too. Mm. And this is, you know, this has been something that has like create a lot of creatives have done that. Well, me being a writer and wanting to write and make comics and all of these other things, sex work was always something to supplement that income until, you know, I was freelancing. I've never stopped writing. I've never, I've mm. been freelance writing since I was, since 2014. Okay. And I've been making art and selling it since before then. Because um, my art was my art skills were more developed before my writing skills, and so sex work was always meant to supplement other income for me. So when people say things like, "Oh, you're not your business is not taking off, or you're not a good sex worker," it's like I'm not putting my all of my energy into this. I need like I need people to understand that I'm not I'm not I'm the, okay. I'm the person who signs up for a site. I don't want to have to market myself. I don't want to have to have a Twitter to do that. I want the site to market me because my energy is going into my writing yeah. and my comics and the, the the things that I want to be known for. It's like uh, why it, it's it's it seems like people would be are upset and correct me if I'm wrong. People are upset that like you might use sex work as a side hustle and that's not your 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 being and your main thing and right and, and maybe it cheapens sex work because you're just kind of casually doing it or something. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people don't recognize certain parts of the sex work movement as being like basically more of informal labor. And there's mm-hmm. a lot of people who there's a lot of different kinds of informal labor. Sex, you know, erotic labor isn't the only type. There are people who moonlight as tailors or people who do bike messenger stuff, you know, or they drive for Uber or Lyft. It's kind of like that for me. Do I want to be a Lyft driver for the rest of my life? No. No, but sometimes but, I'm going to blow a person who I need some <laughs> yeah, extra money. Like, 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 yeah, like sometimes I'm going to need to do this. I'm Do I want to be... Now, if I want it to be a porn star, which at one point I did... Okay. Then at that time, I was camming full time. I was editing my videos. I was putting mm. a lot of effort into it. I was not doing anything else. I was still freelance writing, but only occasionally because I was like, I want to get into porn. And, you know, then I was like, you know, ugh, I need to be realistic because I have this kid and no one is going to help me do this because it's porn. Yeah. And I'd have to move out to Cali mm, or somewhere stuff, else yeah. to really get into this. Or I'd have to fly places and no one is really helping me with him like that. Yeah me to be able to do that so i quit that dream you know what's funny is uh, i had a guy recently he emailed me and said now he's he's uh he's a he's a fella and he's uh he's a he's a a type of fella he means well he sends me this email says uh and it was the subject line was about an idea Mm-hmm. He sends me emails and it's always, the subject line is always <laughs> about and what the sub, the things about and I actually love that because I'm like oh my god I know exactly what I'm getting into here I do um, that too <laughs> so he goes, it's about an idea uh, but sometimes it'll be like about lube or about bathtubs like it's so he's about an idea and he says hi Billy have you thought about um, potentially get uh, uh, becoming a porn star it seems like someone uh, with the interest that you have like would really uh, have fun doing it uh, let me know what you think about this idea and. Uh, I was like, oh, man, like uh, somebody wants me to start doing porn. It's like, I get it. You don't think I'm funny. Fine. Okay. <laughs> Maybe I'll qu- quick. It's like saying, dude, just quick comedy. Put your dick on the Internet like we want. I'm like, oh, no. 
<laughs> um, not that it's bad, but it's like I have a dream. So, <laughs> um, Noah, where can people find you? Um, mostly on Twitter. That's like my very main, much on Twitter. Yeah, that's You're my main active. platform. I stay active on there because I love it there mostly. I 50, 60% love it there. Mm -hmm. It's part of my work, which I don't think a lot of people realize um, That's work that it's work to me. Hey, that's why I tell my dad when I'm at Thanksgiving dinner, <laughs> be like, dad, I'm fucking working right now, okay? Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't think a lot of people realize that Twitter is work for sure. me, even though I am vulnerable. And I think also that people think that vulnerable means personal. And that that's not quite the same for me. I think to be vulnerable, you have to get personal, but I don't think all every yeah. it's kind of like all all squares are rectangles, not all rectangles are squares. It's like right. being personal doesn't mean you're always being vulnerable, but if you're not being personal, you can't be vulnerable. Right. Like I get personal on certain things, but there's a lot of stuff that I do not talk about on Twitter, particularly when it pertains to my mental health or my kid or certain things. Mm -hmm. I just don't like to overshare. Um, well, what, do, what when is I it do, that you, when I do share? I'm vague. I'm as vague as I possibly can be. Okay. And what? So, what is it that you do share on, on Twits? Like, I why? Do, why? Why does somebody want to go follow you? Well, I share about my history with erotic labor or my current, you know, expo exploits. I share about my feelings about it. I share about my politics surrounding the sex work movement. Um, how I feel about the presidential candidates and all of that when it comes to sex work. Um, I share about my art and my writing. Occasionally, I talk a lot about race and gender and sexuality and bisexuality. And I, I, I bring my own personal stories into that. And I think that's why people like following me. All right. And they can follow you at? <laughs> um, at Thought Scholar um, on Twitter. And that's Pretty thought easy. like the way the cool kids say, T-H-O-T. -T. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that hole over there. Yeah. I had to learn that from my last ex. Uh, they were all like, they would keep saying thought. I'm like, what the fuck? is a thought and they were like oh, billy that hoe over there i'm like oh i'm not cool i'm not very cool yeah. uh it well, you it give me uh, to end uh because you said you like to share your political opinions i just watched the debates the last two nights in a row uh mm. give me your first and second choices right now uh I, th I think that whole politics uh segment that we just did that people did not hear just now we're ju i'm just gonna drop that on patreon because that was its own little fun little bonus episode yeah. <laughs> uh so one more time uh people can go follow you on twitter at thought scholar t-h-o-t scholar mm -hmm. uh anywhere else you want them to go or just go there and they find the, the rest yep all right well uh Noah, thanks so much for chatting with me why don't you say goodbye to everybody thank you and um bye <laughs> <laughs> It's weird to you say were so bye. Confused. It's weird to say bye to people when there's no one, it's just the two of us. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have a little bit more on Patreon for my for my politically conscious hoes out there. You're going to want to go uh, become a member. You'll get access to that bonus episode with Noah as well as over a hundred more at the five dollar and up level. Uh, head on over to patreon.com slash podcast to get access today. That's patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash podcast. Did you dig my conversation with Noah? Did you like it? Did you not like it? I want to know either way because a uh, fan engagement, that's like, I don't know, a metric people ask about. Uh, but no, but seriously, I do love the feedback. You can let me know what you feel on Twitter at the Billy Presida, or I'm on Instagram at Billy is Presida. 
Uh, you can also leave a comment on the Man Whore Podcast Facebook fan page in that comment thread. Some of you, I know, are a bit more of a private person. So you can send your comments, your questions, your titty pictures to manwhorepod at gmail.com. Some of y'all might be like, Billy, uh, what about dicks? Can I send my dick? I want to send you my dick. Will you look at my dick? And the answer is yes, caveat, if you take a Sharpie and you write Man Whore Podcast or Billy P or Billy Pro on it. Because my sexual orientation is my name on stuff. Sadly, we have a uh, we have a we have a president in the White House who, who shares the same fetish, and I'm quite ashamed of that fact. Uh, Man whore merch, people. Did you know we have it? I've made some additions to the Man whore Podcast merch store. We've got some laden NY stickers. We got um, we got duffel bags from Man whore Con. You're gonna want to go check that out. Uh, go get yourself some swag. At gumroad.com slash podcast. And that's gum, G-U-M, road.com slash podcast. Look, all these things I just said, they're in the show notes, okay? It's really easy. Just swipe up, go to the show notes, click and tap the things. Next week, I've got on comedian Hannah Boone. My Hot Mess Comedy Hour crossover uh, fan whores. Y'all know who Hannah Boone is. My Keith and the Girl fan whore crossovers. You know who Hannah Boone is. And those of you who don't know, well, soon you're going to know. I'll see you next week. Call your sisters. Call your brothers. And when they don't pick up, you know, just go back to staying slutty. 